Good morning. Shall we pray? Let's pray and ask God to give us understanding and to open our hearts to receive from him. Without the Holy Spirit work, our words will do nothing. Our time will be wasted. But with the Holy Spirit, great things will happen. So let's ask for his help. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Oh God, Father, we pray and ask for your help, oh God. Holy Spirit, please help us. We pray. Please help us. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. So our passage follows Paul. Now the, the camera lenses in Acts is focused on the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, all that he'll be doing. Our passage today is going to show us an extreme example of a pervasive and deep issue. It's a question we should be asking ourselves over and over and over again. A question we should be answering over and over again. It's a simple question, but it cuts deep into our identity. Who takes the glory? Who takes the glory? So, verse 8, Paul, Barnabas, they are in Lystra, and Paul is preaching, he's speaking. Verse 9, verse 6, we are told about this man who was from birth had never walked. And he's listening to Paul. Paul looked at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. As I read this, I was wondering, how, how can you see faith to be healed? How did Paul see? But in some way, Paul saw, Paul discerned that this man who is listening, he believed Jesus could raise him. So verse 10, Paul calls out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. This is where things go south. Paul has come to the scene preaching, and this guy, they knew him in the neighborhood. School, he couldn't go to school. They saw him all around. So they, they knew his condition. He's not one of those fake people who pretend. You know, I saw a clip recently, a guy in a wheelchair trying to cross the street. <laughs> and the, the driver just aimed at him. Charlie, miracle happened. <laughs> he jumped <laughs> and then he crossed. No, this guy, they knew from birth he had never walked. And Paul simply says, stand up on your feet. And the guy jumps and begins to walk. Verse 11, things changed. Look at what they say. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, 
they shouted in Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Zeus, that's the big guy, Barnabas. And Hermes, his interpreter, the one who speaks on his behalf, is Paul. And they had rituals and symbols in their community for, for them to start doing things fast. So they called their priest. who was just outside, and he brought bulls and reed. They were about to make sacrifices unto these guys. How does Paul and Barnabas react? We are told that the people shouted, Paul and Barnabas, when they heard of this, they tore their clothes, rushed out into the crowd, shouting. They are shouting that these are gods. They are also counter-shouting. What do they say? Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. You know, as we read this and we see this, that's why I said this is an extreme case. But the issue that this touches on cuts deep. They had seen what had happened and they are saying that now Paul and Barnabas, you are going to be the center of our lives. We want to recognize you. You are not mere human beings. For us, we know we are, we are human beings. We accept that. But for you, given what you have accomplished and done, we have seen, you are not mere. We want to make you the center. And this, you know, sometimes when we think about sin, we think about sin just in terms of the behavior. Stealing, lying. Yes, those things the Bible calls sin. But fundamentally, sin is making ourselves the center of our lives. Somebody says that, how do you spell sin? S-I-N. I, always in the middle. That is the, that, that is the essence of sin. When we want the attention and the glory and the recognition and the honor, every, when it's centered around us, when we want the universe to be centered around us. So here, when they come to Paul and Barnabas, and they want to enthrone them as God. Paul and Barnabas know what is at stake. We want you to be the center. They vehemently oppose. You know, these are, these are Jew, Jewish guys. When you tear your clothes, it's, an, it's a symbol of like you've seen something that is blasphemous. So this is blasphemy. They tear their clothes, shouting. Paul tells them that, you see, we came to you bringing the good news to turn from these worthless things. Who takes the glory? They are saying, you, Paul and Barnabas, you take the, you are, you are gods. Paul and Barnabas said, never. Never. Who takes the glory? It is God. 
in their case, this is the answer they gave. And you know, in Acts, interestingly, this is not the first time something like this is happening. On two occasions, we see this. Look at Acts chapter 3, the first healing. So Peter and John, they go to the temple at a time of prayer in the afternoon. Verse 2, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as the John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, it's interesting, apostles, they don't have money. Silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. So that is the healing. Look at verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Verse 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? So you see the crowds as they were looking at them coming around. These are the guys. And Peter says that, listen, and this is something that plagues us. When something happens, our godliness or our power. If I escape from some accident, if I manage to excel in something, by all means. If my home is going on well, by all means. After all, we didn't do some of these things before we got married. That is why. By my own godliness. If you've, after an all night, you go somewhere and things happen, you, the door opened, you get a job, by all means, by my own power, the way I have prayed. He says, listen, why are you staring at us as though by our own power or godliness this man has Who takes the glory? Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. Who takes the glory? So in the early stage of the, of the church's life, we saw that that temptation was also there. When people, when the glory that is due to God was being attributed and given to people. Peter came out strong against it. There's another example. A bad one. Acts chapter 12. In Acts 12, from verse 1, we are told that Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. 
he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So this came persecuting the church and killing some of the apostles, at least one, James. And verse 3, when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. So he's causing havoc, murder, beating people up and everything. Nothing happened to him. In fact, you know, after he arrested Peter, remember the prison break, the angel comes in, Peter is broken out of prison. Look at what Herod did. In the morning, verse 18, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him, he did not find him. He cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Look at all that Herod is doing, yet he's fine. After this, perhaps he goes home, have a lavish meal. He sleeps in his beautiful place. He goes around looking at all the things he's accomplished. Herod is fine. Verse 20. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on, they depended on the king's country for their food supply. They needed Herod. So you can't, you can't quarrel with him. You better settle. So they come. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. You can imagine when you're going to speak to people, you know they need you. The kind of things you say about them and about you. He sat, he's actually sitting. He sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. When last did you, did you see any big person sitting to make a public address? Charlie, this guy knows who he is. Verse 22, they shouted. This is the voice of a God, not a man. Perhaps there are sickle fans there. They know they need him, so they need to pump him up. This is the voice of a God. Listen to his words. Listen to his expressions. Look at his demeanor and confidence. Have you ever seen a human being talk like this? Verse 23, immediately. Look at how the, what the Bible says. Immediately. Because Herod did not give praise to God. This guy all along, has he been giving praise to God? With all the killings that he's doing, the persecutions he's bringing upon the church and the hardship. But verse 23, immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, 
an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Who takes the glory? For you see, here in Herod's case, it's not as though Herod was the one who went about saying that, listen, I am the God. You can see. It's not Herod who goes about saying it. It's the people who are saying that about him. But in his silence, he receives it. He's saying, yes, it's true. I am, am me just a human being. Now contrast that with Paul in Acts 14. When the people are coming rushing and saying that you are a God, not just because merely of words he's saying, they say words are cheap, but this is actually a healing. Somebody who has been born crippled speaks the word and the person gets up and walks. Paul's first word is saying, listen, friends, we are also human beings like you. Who takes the glory? So let me ask us. Is our hearts functioning like Peter and Paul or Herod? Who takes the glory? You know, this question even impacts our politics. Why do we still have projects in the bush? Why do we invest millions of dollars for grass cutters and ants and frogs and reptiles to take over? Because of the question, who takes the glory? If I go and complete the project, who would they say began the project? Muhammad's project, me, I should go and complete it. It doesn't matter the millions of dollars that have been sunk into it. Let it be there. When they come again, let them continue. So that even in our experience as a country, this issue is deeply hurting us. Who takes the glory? You know, in your office, it's a question that your heart is always asking. That is why when some of our colleagues are being complimented, it's, it's like they are stabbing you in the heart. You are quiet, you are smiling. You say, oh, Charlie, the, the, oh, yeah, dear, like you did well. But there's something happening in your heart. At that stage, you are not the center. It's somebody else. And it's a wound. You are being wounded because somebody is being praised. Who takes the glory? In our church life, you know, when I am coming to preach, by all means, I'll pray. Like praying, like Jesus, glorify your name as I come to preach this Sunday. Throughout the week, I might even fast. Praying, praying, praying. Great. Isn't it good? Aren't you happy that your pastor at least prays before he comes? <laughs> okay. But when I am not the one preaching, do you think I'll fast and pray? Why? Is it that all of a sudden, God's glory doesn't matter? It is because 
even during the period that when I'm going to preach, I'm praying for God's glory. I am only interested in God's glory because I am the one going to do the preaching. So my mouth will be saying, God, glorify your name. This Sunday, as we gather, as I preach, as I open God, oh God, let conviction come. But in my heart, silently, Charlie, don't know that I'm here. My Charlie. My heart, who takes the glory? And I tell you, this question destroys a lot of ministries. In music ministry, whatever ministry. So we usually use music ministry because they spend a lot of time up here. When another person is the one going to minister, you know, and the person ministers powerfully, and you are coming next. <laughs> oh God, why? <laughs> silently in our hearts, silently. If the person flopped a bit, it will set the stage for you so that you don't have any competition. The bar is really low. The least you can jump over it. Who takes the glory? Brothers and sisters, the attitude we see Paul and Barnabas exhibit here, it's an extreme situation. People want, they are bringing bulls and wanting to sacrifice unto them. In our case, I'm not sure anybody has ever brought a bull. But the principle is the same. Who takes the glory? You see, this even affects some of the decisions we make with our career. Sometimes the reason we want to move on in pursuing certain disciplines is because, Charlie, you know, if you are able to get this, the kind of recognition and respect people will give to you. So in your pursuit, it's not just simply you wanting to develop yourself, the abilities God has given to you. It's because of something that is driving you silently. And there are things that have happened in the past that is causing, is moving you. It's, it's a silent work in your heart. Silent work in your heart. But it's glory, glory, glory. Who takes the glory? Some decisions you make that perhaps you could have waited it's not the best time to make that investment or make that purchase now. But, Charlie, you will move heaven and hell to get it. Why? Our hearts are running after some recognition and honor. Who takes the glory? So, how do we become, how do we have this heart like Paul? That you see, this is not an issue of the lips. This is a, these are deep heart issues. How do we have a heart that has this posture that God takes the glory? How do we get there? Paul points the way, and we've mentioned it. Look at verse 15. Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. You have to believe this and accept this about yourself. Listen, no matter how you look now, 
no matter your accomplishment, who are you? You are human. You are human. You are human will mean that definitely you'll be in certain contests where somebody is more brilliant than you. You are human. You will be in certain places where somebody is more gifted than you. You are human. One is a Roman official. He said that he, as he walked through the, uh, the Roman towns, he had an assistant. Anytime he, he says something that people are praising more, he's walking through town, people are praising him. He had an assistant he paid who was just whispering always to him, you are just but a man. You are but a man. So anytime he's hearing the praises of people, this assistant is also whispering to him, you are but a man. People, this is a thought we have to see about ourselves. You are a human being. So that even in places where you go and you deliver in your place of work, you excel and they are praising you. You come home and remove your clothes and you have to take your bath. You have to visit the loo. You have to lie down and sleep. You are a man. You are human. That is how Paul begins. Listen, he said, friends, listen. We are, and this is so astonishing. He could have said, he could have said, we are apostles, so maybe we are not exactly gods, but a little, you know. No, no, no. He doesn't go there. We are humans just like you. So let it settle in our hearts. We are humans. Secondly, now the emphasis of what Paul says from verse, verse 17, he begins to talk about God. So, okay, let me read from 15. Friends, we are, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God. Now, he's going to tell us something about this living God. Look at what he says. One, who made heavens and earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet, he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides for you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. What is the emphasis of what Paul is saying? What is he saying about God? Simply this. God is the source. He gives you rain. And perhaps you are saying, of course, rain, we know we have nothing to do with, so we understand. And crops in their seasons. He is the one who provides you with plenty of food. Paul is saying that, listen, in the pagan society, they had many gods. They, this God is responsible for this, for that. He said that, listen, the living God is the source. And it's interesting for Paul to say these things. God is the one who gives crops and provides for food. Please, when you go, have you ever gone to a farm and you've seen God standing there with a hoe and cutlass, working hard on the farm? Have you ever seen God on the farm? Your own farm. The farmers work hard. The farmers struggle, they toil. But a, a simple question. Who gives them that energy to be able to toil? 
Yes, you are where you are because you've been passing a lot of exams. You are brilliant. We bless God. But you study hard. But who gave you that brain in the first place? Paul is stressing on the fact that, listen, God is our source. So, you see, whatever gifting and ability and potential that you have, that you are excelling in, you've disciplined yourself, you have, you have sharpened yourself, you have applied yourself great, but who gave those innate abilities to you in the first place? If you don't recognize that God is the source we will be tripped always. You look at yourself, look at what you are doing, and say, indeed, who takes the glory? At least I also deserve some glory. Paul says that, listen, God is the source. God is the source. So recognize that your abilities and giftings, and even look at some of the opportunities you've had. You are where you are because of a certain door that opened onto you. How did that door open? Listen, God is your source. God is the one. And if God is your source, we are saying one, recognize abilities and accomplishment. But secondly, brothers and sisters, let God satisfy your heart with the recognition and the sense of worth and importance that you need. You know, we take the glory because we, we, want, to, we, want, to, we want to be somebody. Nobody likes to be treated like a nothing. Like you, you don't matter. So that when they are in the group, Everybody speaks, but you, when you speak, we want to rush on to the next person. Like, you don't matter. Nobody wants that. God is the source. What your heart needs, listen, human beings cannot provide. Here in Lystra, the reason they wanted to make Paul and Barnabas gods is because of the kind of story they had been hearing. In their, in, their, in their folk, they had the story of Zeus and Hermes actually sometime coming down. So they came down to this village. They went to various houses, and it said that over a thousand households rejected Zeus and Hermes. But there was this family that received them. And what Zeus did, he turned their house into a temple and destroyed all the other houses around. So that is the story they've heard. So if now they see some people who appear to be God, what do they have to do? They have to receive them. There's a story they are hearing that is pushing them to this worthless way of living. They want to make men God. Did God ever become a man? That is another story of God who became a man. He wasn't welcomed. He was treated as a criminal. He died a shameful death. Why? 
so that for all of us whose hearts are running after recognition, and in that way we are destroying relationships, we are destroying ourselves, we are, we are dishonoring God, we can be healed of the poison that is in our hearts. And then we can also be received into his kingdom. It's not an easy path. Paul actually tells them, when he goes around to strengthen the disciples, he says, verse 22, the summary of all that Paul says to the leaders, verse 22, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. This is not an easy path. But we know why this path is leading. The kingdom of God. Do you see how unpredictable the praise of people are? They had wanted to make Paul and Barnabas God, but from verse 19, when the Jews came from Antioch, what happened? They are now going to kill their God. People were earlier on, they are saying, you are gods. Now, what are they going to do? They are going to stone their God. Listen, recognition and sense of worth from human beings is unpredictable, is unstable. You need to tell yourself another story. You know, and for some of us, the reason our hearts are running after this, the glory of God, wanting to be the center, wanting to be known, is because of some stories that have happened in our past. You know of a story of how perhaps your dad in your family, no respect, no honor. And so you're, you've told yourself, me, to ever have to go and beg somebody for money in my family. Never. 40 under 40. The, what, what I'll get at the age of 40, that my uncle in, at the age of 70, he'll not even get it. So with our toil and struggle and everything, it's a story we've told, we've told ourselves. And that is what is driving us. I remember I went to drop the kids at school and I had parked. There wasn't, there wasn't any car there. I had parked, but I wasn't, I wasn't parked in the, the line that had been demarcated for us. So the security guy comes, hey, park well. Oh, sorry, sir. So I parked. And just after I parked, Another man came with a four by four. And he did the, ex <laughs> the very thing I had done. The security man was still standing there. So I, just, I, just, I was just waiting to see how he's going to react. So he was standing to, to my right. He looked at the guy. And he just went in. <laughs> now, that situation could also be a story I'm telling myself. What is that story? I need to get my four by four. so that they would also know, like they'll know, they'll know that I'm somebody. And this is the story we are telling ourselves over and over. Indeed, people will mistreat you. For the singles, you know, it's so true. You get to certain places, oh, won't worry, you won't. Okay, there's a way they'll talk to you. But immediately they see the ring. There's some respect they give you. So this is a story you also tell yourself. 
Charlie, next year by this time. But what we are saying is that, listen, tell yourself the different story of God who became a man for you. Draw strength and life from this story. So that in situations where the, the question is posed, who takes the glory? You'll be able to have the... And Paul says, this is hard. You'll be able to have the strength to give the right answer. It all depends on the story you are listening to. Shall we pray? Let's pray and ask God to help us to believe the gospel story. So that we can turn from the worthless way of living, taking the glory of the Lord. That the gospel story would sound loud and loud in our ears and hearts. As you meet with people, the story you are listening to is not that of your education, but the story of God who became man. So that you as a man, you don't need to become God. You are saying, Lord, please let the gospel story ring loud and loud in our hearts.